another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream. Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times, the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it is, almost always the case during my 50 mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Today is a big episode for us, episode 150. Uh, that's a milestone for me. I'm really proud of that, and I'm proud of the audience for helping me get here. And today is Friday, February 27th, and as promised, today I'm going to talk to you a little bit anyway about an individual act of succession, as in the, the states succeeded from the Union, right? Or, more aptly, an individual declaration of independence. And the reason I'm going to do this is I have planned for today's show to discuss, again, these, these, these outdated concepts of liberal and conservative, left and right, Republican and Democrat, and the way that they're used on us as a class warfare tool continuously and constantly, and why you should never use any of them ever again, other than Barack Obama is a Democrat, because he is a Democrat, because he's the Democratic uh, uh, leader of the country, or that you know Nancy Pelosi's a Democrat, or uh, you know Ron Paul is a Republican, even though he's actually a libertarian. So unless we're talking about a political figure that's identified themselves by that, and we're simply noting the party of affiliation, we shouldn't even use these terms anymore. And um, the reason I decided to put these two concepts together is I think it will help you in what I'm about to lay on you. Now, about three weeks ago, I came up with this concept for myself that I needed to make a statement to our government. There's certain things I will never take from our government. I'll never take it. I don't care how pretty they make it, how they package it up, and there are certain things I will not allow my government to do. I just won't permit it. And as I was trying to craft this document the way, you know, like somebody like Jefferson did for the colonies, and I realized, well, I'm not breaking away from a nation here. I'm making an individual statement. And this is why I was having so much trouble. I was trying to write something that wouldn't get somebody else, even though it wouldn't get me, wouldn't get somebody else in illegal trouble. or you know. And, and I, it dawned on me why this was so difficult. Because I shouldn't be writing your Declaration of Independence. You should. So here's the challenge for you to think about over the weekend. And I'm done with mine. But I don't want to publish it until you guys get a chance to write your own. Because I think there's going to be a great deal to learn in the variance. But what I'm going to do one day next week is I'm going to publish my personal Declaration of Independence. Defining myself as a sovereign individual with inalienable rights and calling upon my government to respect its limits under the Constitution and to fulfill its obligations under the Constitution. I'm going to publish mine. And I'm going to do it on the blog. And I'm going to leave the comment section wide open. And what I'm going to ask is for you to come in if you want to state your own declaration. And in the comments below, state your declaration. 
And let's see how many people are willing to stand up and say, these are the things I will no longer permit my government. And then we'll go through them and we'll find the commonalities. And those commonalities are what join us together. And we will define them and we will solidify them. And we will continue with those commonalities solidified. And that's why today's main topic is going to be how the government continues to manipulate society based on these outdated, and they are outdated terms, of liberal and conservative and left and right. And and I'm really fed up with it, and somebody did a post on the forum, but I'm not coming down on you for your post because it was actually thought-provoking. Help me solidify this, uh, this episode, but I think your take was all wrong. And basically the statement was that one of the reasons that survivalists have so much trouble out in the mainstream world bringing people into our fold is because we are seen so typically as coming from a right-wing viewpoint. First of all, I think you're wrong. I don't think that has anything to do with the big sticking point to why the general population, so to speak, doesn't see things through the eyes of a modern-day survivalist. I think it's twofold, and neither one of them really have to do with left and right. Number one is we're painted by the media as a sensationalist subject, and all of us are a bunch of right-wing, nut-job, gun-nuts out in the woods. You say, well, you said it wasn't about politics. It's not really about politics there. Because that's not a reality. Right? So it's not that we are Republican or that we are conservative or that we are whatever. It's that every time the media does a story on survivalists, somehow, some freaking hell, and some of you people in the media out there, if you ever actually get to talk to me face-to-face, I'm going to call you down on this, somehow we always get linked to the white supremacist movement. And the next journalist that does that should be smacked in the face for being irresponsible because you're going to cost people lives in the future because people will not learn, people will not inform themselves because of your bullshit. Plain and simple. Because you're lying to the people because it makes your story more interesting, more juicy, more likely to be viewed, more likely to be discussed. Because you're doing that, good people that are open to these concepts turn away from them. So that's the first reason. It's because of an unrealistic image that's been painted on us by the media. The next reason... It's probably far more the bigger reason. And it's nothing that's anybody's fault. It's part of the human condition. To be a survivalist, to say, you know what, I'm going to have extra food in my home. You know what, I'm not going to max out the credit cards. You know what, I'm not taking a second, uh, a second line of credit against the house or a home equity loan or what have you. I'm not doing it. I'm going to pay down my debt. You know what, I'm not buying that bigger house, so I'm going to stay in this one. You know what, I'm not buying that house at all. I'm going to buy a house out in the country and I'm going to put a gate around it. And I'm going to turn it into a homestead. To do any of these things, to have the motivation to do them, while everyone around you looks at you like you're a little bit off and doesn't understand you, it takes a certain amount of realism in your heart, in your soul, and your mind. It takes a certain amount of willingness to look at the dark side of humanity and accept what can go wrong. And the stark reality is most people don't want to think about it. They don't want to look at it. They want to see violence, death, 
and danger is something that either used to happen or only happens far away where they don't have all these nice rules and systems of containment to prevent them. The guy that lives five miles away from the inner city in an upscale neighborhood wants to pretend that in that ghetto five miles away people aren't dying every night and that if something goes wrong that that violence will immediately spread out beyond a radiance of five miles and threaten him. The guy that's looking at his stock portfolio that's already been cut in half and was thinking I was going to retire early in ten years now I'm going to have to work 20 more years instead of 10 more years. Doesn't want to believe it's true. And he wants to hold in his heart. It'll come back. It'll come back. It always comes back. The biggest reason we don't reach more people is that a lot of people aren't ready for the message yet. Or they're looking to the government to be the solution instead of themselves to be the solution. And that last part is why I have to, at times, talk about politics. It's also why I have to talk about the economy. And I've had people say, Jack, can't you talk about the economy and not make it political? And my answer to that is I wish I could. Because if I could, we'd be living in a nation governed by our Constitution because the only thing that the government would be doing with the economy is ensuring... The, vel- the validity and the safety of the monetary supply. That is the government's job, to make sure that the currency is sound. That is their only job. And it is the job that they haven't done since the institution of the Federal Reserve System worth a damn. Because you don't ensure that the currency is sound by pumping trillions of dollars into it just to inflate prices and spur growth and thereby devalue the dollars in the pockets of all the people that already have worked to own them. And that's what's going on. But I want to dig deeper today, and I want to challenge people that are out there that have to constantly identify themselves as, well, I'm actually a little... I I can't tell you how many emails I get from people that say, Jack, I actually love your show, and I like 99% of what you say, but I consider myself a liberal. So... Of course you like what I have to say if you're a liberal. If you're an honest liberal, first of all, an honest liberal wouldn't be trying to push what's called the fairness doctrine on talk radio. If you don't know about what this is yet, the fairness doctrine is a thing that says, for instance, Rush Limbaugh, the radio stations that carry him, if he's on three hours, then they have to bring on somebody with a left-wing view for three hours. This is just stupid. I don't really like the Rush Limbaugh show. I really don't. He comes off as being way too arrogant, way too pompous, and everything the Republicans do is right. And everything big business does is good. Now, I actually agree with about 80% of what Rush says, but since nobody's ever wrong over there unless they're caught and going to go to jail, then it invalidates the rest of the things he says for me because I'm independently minded. But of course a liberal... A real liberal would like what I have to say. Why wouldn't you? I'm for green energy. Not because I want to save the planet, but because it makes more sense for us economically and politically to develop as many alternative sources of energy in as much capacity as possible. And to start doing it now and to quit dragging our feet and to quit making excuses about it and let's get it done. Now my agenda and the liberal agenda 
on that, if you want to use that term just to understand the groups, are different. But our goal is the same. Windmills, solar panels, here's where we diverge. I want nuclear power. Now, why do I want nuclear power? Cheap, and it works. And I know that the gap between fossil fuels and pure green replenishable energy sources is massive. And I know that our societies around the world can't bridge the gap without something to help them get there. So I'm for a logical, ethical, moral-based plan to bridge that gap with nuclear power in the interim. And I also am a realist and I understand it probably ain't going to happen because there's too many environmental wacko freaks out there. And frankly, on the other side of the coin, on the big business side of the coin, there's too many big businesses that don't ever want to see these alternative energy sources developed and they want to use nuclear as a way to prevent it. So you've got two polar opposites. Now, here's the thing. The, the environmental wacko takes all the people that really want to see this green energy stuff come and drags them to one side of the sphere. And then the, the big business fascist involved with our government, you know, energy corporations pull all the people that are a little bit more right-wing minded to the complete other side of this, the spectrum. And neither side gets what it wants when what both sides of the general population really want is, yes, we all want less dependence on foreign oil. Yes, we would all like to see the cost of solar energy production come down. Yes, all of us would actually like to have solar panels feeding our houses if we could afford to do that. But we're made into enemies by the system for the concept of class warfare. And you have to look at this with every issue that polarizes society and go, does this issue matter? And does the other side really want something I don't? Or does the other side actually want something I do want? And we just need to work on making sure the means by which we get there makes sense and doesn't restrict our freedoms and our liberty. And this, that's the key. That's the key to why we're always seen as right-wing. All the survivalists are right-wing because we believe in liberty. Because anybody that's going to stand up and say, in a situation where the worst happens, my first line of defense is me, myself. I will handle the problem. I will get my family out. I will feed my family when the food supply is gone. I will defend my home against looters. If there's a pandemic, I'm willing to accept the quarantine, but I'm not willing to suffer through the quarantine. I will be ready for it. And if someone comes to steal from me, I will send them back horizontal. Anybody that thinks that way doesn't see government as a solution to a problem. And that is how the liberal, got to use the word here, education system has taught our society to think that government is your solution. The government exists to fix problems for you. Well, the survivalist community knows that, number one, the government can't fix all the problems. That every time that the government's tried to fix problems, they've caused more. That every time we've had a government in the world that tried to solve all of society's problems through socialism or communism, eventually that country crumbled to the ground and had to be rebuilt in a capitalist model. Look at the Soviet Union. It's even happening to France now. Socialism can't even be made to work in France. We're not going to make it work in the United States of America, which was founded on liberty. 
The other thing about survivalists is we believe, above all things, in the Constitution of the United States. Not all of us, but most of us do. We look to that document and we hold it sacred. Now, the left-leaning portions of society in the educational system are taught about the Constitution, but selectively. They're, they're, they're almost guided to a belief that you know what you need to worry about are your constitutional rights. And what I'm here to tell you is you don't have any constitutional rights. There's not one right granted to the people by the Constitution. Not one. And you might be like, well, we got the you know, right against self-incrimination, right against search and seizure, right to keep and bear arms. All these things are given to us by the Constitution. They are not given to us by the Constitution. One of the most honest things that Barack Obama ever said in his life, I didn't like his disdain for the reality, but it was an honest statement. The Constitution is a document of negative liberties. In other words, what the Constitution says is, this is what the government may not do to you, because as a human being on planet Earth, under God, with your own individual sovereignty, you have these rights which shall not be infringed by government. It's not given, it's protected. The government is prohibited from infringing upon these rights that are seen as God-given and inalienable. Now, believing that does not make me a right-wing anything. It doesn't make me a Republican. It should not make me a Republican. It should not make me right-wing. It shouldn't be seen that way. And if you're a Democrat, and you you buy into the Democrat philosophy, the message that's marketed to the people, we're for the small businessman, the little guy, the blue-collar worker, the working class, to make sure everybody has an opportunity and everybody has a chance. Fine. Hold your party and your leaders to the founding document of our nation, the Constitution. And if you are a conservative Republican, because you have to put that name on yourself, fine, you better hold your party there too, because they've been walking on and crapping on the Constitution just as much as the liberals have. Absolutely. Both of them. And here's what's funny. The polarization happens again. You have people that have been polarized to one side, and they're told, look at all the evil that the other side's doing against the Constitution. And the rabble, rabble, grouse, grouse, moan, moan, ah, we got to get rid of these evil, evil Republicans. And then, and then, the other side starts to ban up. Look at these evil socialist Democrats over here. Look what they're doing. They're trampling the Constitution. Rabble, rabble, grouse, grouse. Angry. We've got to get rid of those evil Democrats. Kick them out. We watch the balance of power swing from the Republicans to the Democrats, to both, to the Democrats, to the Republicans, to both, to the back to the Democrats. Over and over and over and over and over again. And we go in the same direction. Our government spends more and taxes us more. Even when Bush brought in tax cuts, the average American paid more taxes. We paid more taxes because we inflated the money supply and we made more money, but the money had less value, so we paid more taxes. Taxes were raised all over the place by city governments, local governments, 
all of these taxes. The average American today pays on over 100 individual taxes throughout a year. The average American today, when you average up all his taxes, pays over five months of his income back to one form of government or another. And it all started... It all started around 1900, and we can get specific with dates, but let's just look at it as 1900. It's a nice round number. And we're only 109 years away. And in 109 years, they basically then managed to add one tax that you pay a year, every year, since this whole thing really started. And thinking that's wrong, does it make you a liberal or a conservative? And here's the great lie. Do you know what I was taught in school by a man that honestly was fairly conservative, but had been so brainwashed by the educational system himself, when he said this he believed it, and so did I, until many years later. The basic way to understand a liberal and a conservative are this way. The liberal is open to change and new ideas. The conservative wants to keep things the way that they are. Now, if you are an impressionable young child in high school, 15, 16 years old, which one sounds more like you? Which one sounds more like your old stodgy grandfather that's not willing to listen to your new ideas? Which one sounds progressive? And which one sounds regressive? Now, what you would take away from that is that Republicans are not open to new ideas. But many of our conservative, right-wing business people, just to understand who they are, are the innovators. They're the ones that have created all these new technologies. I wouldn't call Bill Gates a liberal or a Democrat, at least economically. Look at the innovation that Microsoft has brought. And on the other side of the coin, I would call people like Sergey and Eric that started Google extremely liberal, flaming liberals, raging liberals. And they brought innovation and new technology in the same sectors. And those two companies employ massive numbers of people in the United States today. And they're both self-made people. And neither one of them are evil. Well, there's some things Google does that I think are evil, but this show's not in search engines, so we won't talk about that. But as individuals, they brought new things, and they've put food on the tables of tens of thousands of Americans through their innovation and dedication. Yet we have to push people to one side of that or the other, instead of looking at what is the commonality that made both of them successful, that made both of them great. And what it was, is seeing a need in society that was not being met, and understanding how to get the message to the people in your current day, that they would understand how your solution to their problem would solve their problem. One was through an operating system that made computers that were hard to use, easy to use, back when everybody didn't grow up with a computer. I think people forget what 1985 was like and how much of a computer geek you were if you had a Commodore 64 back then like I did. And how few people even knew what a modem was and how you had to dial a phone to make a connection with a modem and put the phone in a cradle. Forget that. And Windows made more of the Internet happen (laughs) as far as it taking off and being adopted than freaking Al Gore. 
And then Google comes along, and you get a bunch of liberals, and they go together, and they say, how, how are people going to find and sort through all this information? And they build a mathematically-based search engine that makes the Internet usable. And those two sides together are what created the technology that makes things like podcasting and you being able to find this podcast possible. We've got liberal and conservative there, right wing and left wing there. And you have to start asking yourself then, if that much greatness can be created by these two sides of the spectrum, why do we keep fighting with each other? And why is it so hard for people to see where the Constitution is being infringed upon and demand that it not be? Why is it so hard for the quote-unquote liberal to comprehend that the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution says that I have a right to keep and bear arms, that I am the people, just like the people means me, every other place it's said in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The people is me and the people is you. And that no matter what you think, personally, that as long as our nation's founding law is that that the liberty to protect oneself needs to be preserved. And why is it so freaking hard for the people that have to see themselves as right-wing, dutiful Republicans to comprehend that we should not be restricting or, or not acknowledging the rights of anybody else in the world? That when we say things like, well, you know, these guys down at Gitmo, they don't deserve a trial. Look, I've not been big on closing Gitmo, folks. I think closing Gitmo is, in a way, a good thing, but I think Obama did it really, really wrong. Because you should figure out what you're going to do with those guys before you issue the order to close it. Because now they don't know what the hell they're going to do. But to say that these guys don't get any kind of a trial, now it doesn't have to be the same trial you and I get. It could be a military tribunal for all I care. But to say that they're not entitled to a right to have their case heard and pled in a defense because they're not American citizens and they're not technically a, a prisoner of war because they weren't fighting for a common a, 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 a recognized army or in uniform defies our Constitution, folks. Because this is where we lose it. This is where the right side loses it. The Constitution does not apply to Americans. The Constitution applies to human beings. The Constitution states that all human beings on the planet have these rights. The Constitution was not just the founding document of our government and our nation. It was, it was expected to be an inspiring declaration of independence for the rest of the world. To be the shining city on the hill that didn't go in and interfere with the lives of other nations, but was an example to them of what could be done by a people free of the restrictive and heavy reins of government. And the reason survivalists think this way is simply because they're informed. And notice they said informed and not educated. There's plenty of intelligent, educated people that are not informed of these concepts. They will talk about the Constitution this and the Constitution that, but they've never read the entire document from beginning to end. And if you haven't read the Constitution, go read the Constitution. 
It is some of the most eloquent language ever written. And one of my favorite movies uh, was uh, with Nick Cage. It was a national treasure. I think it was the second one where they ended up having to go steal the Constitution and they read the words. And the lady said to him, people don't talk that way anymore. And Cage's character said, I do. I talk that way. And I want us to talk that way in America again. I want the first thing that the average person does when the government says, we have a new initiative and this is what we want to do, to simply say, do they have the constitutional authority to do that? That's not right wing. That's not left wing. The reason the Constitution exists is to preserve and protect the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for you, whether you insist on calling yourself a liberal or a conservative, or a Democrat or a Republican, or a socialist or a communist. To ensure that you as an individual can pursue that opportunity up and until the point that it interferes with someone else's ability to pursue the same. It is not a guarantee of success. It was never meant of a guarantee of success. It was a requirement upon the government to preserve and protect the ability to pursue for the people. And then to leave the people to sort out things for themselves. Because the founders had seen what the heavy hand of government does. And this is why the survivalist community feels the way we do about the Constitution. Because we know it's all that we have left. And we know that it's universally acclable. And we know that there are even times that we look at it and we go, I don't like that we can't do this. Or I don't like that we now have to do this. But without that foundation... Without there being a head of the family, the family can't survive. There has to be leadership of a father, leadership of a mother in a family unit that at some point says, enough, this is our way forward, this is our founding principles. That's what the Constitution is to the family that is the people of the United States of America. And for those of you that listen around the world, our founders intended it to be a father figure for you as you determined how to create your own liberty and your own freedom and your own country. And to those of you that live in nations where the United States has applied military force, that's not constitutional either. Now, I'm hugely supportive of our military and the individuals and the soldiers that are there, but I know that we do not belong in some of the places that we are today. And I have a real bad vibe about what's going to go on in Afghanistan. And I've said that it could become another Vietnam. And it's not the typical liberal thing that every conflict the United States has gotten into uh, since Vietnam. Another Vietnam. Another Vietnam. Iraq is going to be another Vietnam. Every time we've gotten into a conflict, it could turn into another Vietnam. I've always said that was bullshit. Because those other nations were nothing like Vietnam. Afghanistan isn't like Vietnam from a standpoint of the way the people are embedded, the terrain, the way things have to be fought, and how long they've already fought aggressive foreign powers. It's worse than Vietnam. It absolutely is worse as a battlefield than Vietnam was. 
and that doesn't mean that if we want to get something done there, we can't get it done. But if we go into that war by escalating the troop strength and putting massive restrictions on what the military actually can do, which is the hallmark of presidents in the mold of Barack Obama, LBJ, for instance, then you know what we're going to end up with? We're going to end up with that other Vietnam that the government's been talking about. And you know who's going to get the blame from the media? Bush. And because they say that, people say, see, survivalists are all right wing. No. No. That doesn't make anybody right wing. I thought Bush was uh, making a lot of mistakes with Iraq, and I came down on him for it. And I think that by now we should be out of Iraq. We should be done there. That when you give liberty to a people that they don't fight for, they don't value it, and they will give it back quickly. We should have went in. We should have done the job as fast as possible. We should have cleaned everything out as fast as possible. We should have turned things over more quickly. And in in hindsight, it's easy to say, well, we should never have gone. But at the time, it looked like there was a reason to go. I think most people that supported the invasion, if they're honest with themselves, will go back and go, I was wrong too. And then once you're there, you've got to finish the job. That's not right wing. It's not liberal. It's not conservative. It's realist. We got into a situation that sucked. We have a responsibility to see it through to a reasonable degree. And then we have a responsibility to extricate ourselves. We don't need military bases in over 100 countries around the world. Each one of your taxes pays for one military base. There's one way to look at it. So that we can run an imperialistic uh, world monopoly. Now that doesn't sound very right wing, does it? You know, most survivalists out there are not big on this foreign warfare. We're not big on the United Nations. The United Nations isn't a place where everybody can go for peace. It's a place that maintains and controls and sorts out the rules of warfare. Every time there's a war, the United Nations is involved, setting the stage for how the war will be fought, who will fight the war, who's allowed to fight the war, and what rules they must fight the war under. Doesn't sound like a very peaceful organization to me. Most survivalists, you would find, are actually quite liberal in a lot of their beliefs. And I guess my challenge for you today is to think to yourself, as you're writing your individual Declaration of Independence, what can we learn and what can we glean from the original Declaration of Independence? And what can we learn and what can we glean from the Constitution of the United States of America that our government is supposed to be following right now, yet refuses to? What can we learn from that? I think we can learn a lot from that if we'll take the time to read the document, understand the document, and make it part of who we are. That's not a left-wing or right-wing idea. That's just an American idea. So today's show wasn't one of our practical, this is what you do, this is how you survive shows. It wasn't even call your senator, call your congressman. It was designed above all to make you think And to make you realize that as long as we see the other guys as the enemy, as long as we use terms like our side, and I mentioned Limbaugh, and that's one of my big ifs, you know, things with him. No matter how much he says that makes sense, as long as I hear the guy every time I turn the radio on and hear him say, well, our side, our side, you're not getting it. And I don't care if he's the most listened to man in America or whatever he says he is. You're not getting it. There is no sides between the people. The sides have now been clearly defined between the government and the people. And the actions of government today are designed to keep us divided because they know unified 
If the people of this country could get together and simply look at the Constitution and go, oh, yeah, it does say that. Um, Tom, sorry, uh, you're right. Uh, we shouldn't be holding that guy without giving him some kind of due process by law. Yeah, Frank, you know what? You're, you're right, too. It does say very clearly that you're allowed to have that 870 shotgun. I, 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 you know, I don't like it. I don't think you should have it. But until this thing changes, that's the way that it is. But it also says that these assholes aren't supposed to be doing all these other things. Hey, hey, wait a minute, Tom, Frank, let's get together and go stop this. They know that the minute that happens, the minute the class warfare breaks down, the minute you stop dividing people because of the color of their skin, because of their religion, because of their income level, because of their station in life, because of their education level, because of their geography, the minute that that division is broken down, the American people will call for revolution. And they'll call for revolution in the one place that's most frightening to these clowns. Ballot box. What they're afraid you will do is turn off your TV and turn off your radio. That you'll stop listening to NPR or Fox News. That you'll stop listening to liberal podcasts or conservative podcasts and listen to liberty-minded podcasts on things like survivalism. They're afraid that you will do that. They're afraid that you'll read the Constitution instead of accepting the definition given to you based on the school that you went to and what that school is supposed to create in our society. They're afraid of that. They're terrified that one day you'll wake up and realize that you employ them and this concept is not conservative or liberal. They're afraid that the Democrat among us will wake up and go, wait a minute, you're supposed to be for the common man. You're supposed to be for the working man. Why are you guys pushing a welfare system that takes money from the middle class and gives it to people that don't work? That doesn't seem very much for the common man. They're afraid that the Republican will wake up and look to the Republican Party and go, wait a minute, you say you're for less government, but every time you guys are in power, you spend more money. You build more programs. You increase entitlements. Hey, you're not doing what you say you do. That both sides will see that and unify together. That's where survivalist mentality generally comes from with politics. It's not about right or left. It's about legality. And it's about the Constitution. So use this concept and think today. And declare your own individual sovereignty, your own individual independence. And start working on it. Start writing it down. Put an outline together. Do whatever you do that makes you right. Your statement can be two sentences or 500 words. It's up to you. But be ready when I publish mine to publish yours. And let's send a statement that the individual still has individual freedoms in the country, in the United States of America, and that we still are that shining city on the hill for the rest of the world, and we believe that they have these rights and these sovereignty as individuals as well. So again, I'm going to wrap today's show and just simply say that 
again, I know this may not be the cup of tea for a lot of you guys. And I've been told that I almost sound apologetic when I explain this. But the reason is I want you to understand why these things like politics, economics, and survivalism are so joined that we can't ignore these other things. We can't ignore the government because they're the ones that are going to institute a quarantine during a pandemic. We can't ignore the government because they're the ones that are devaluing the dollar and destroying the economy right now. We can't ignore a tax and spend mentality among the Democrats in in power that doesn't work. Because it's been done before. It was done during the Great Depression. That's supposed to be its finest hour and it didn't work. Nothing ended in the Depression. Not even the war. What ended the Depression was when the government cut spending by two-thirds after the war. That's when the economy boomed. 46, 47, 48, 49. When if the Keynesian economic theory, if government spending, government spending, government spending worked, the this entire economy should have collapsed in 46. But it didn't, it boomed. Because when people are free, they innovate, they create, they adapt, and they overcome. That's what I want you guys to do out there. As I close today, I want to remind everybody, uh, this is going to probably be the last time I throw out invitations for the beta of the uh, Survival Podcast Supporting Members Brigade. Uh, what this is is a voluntary program where you can contribute $5 a month, and then there's other ways you can do it. You can do $15 every three months, or you can do $50 a year is what a lot of people are doing. I threw a discount in for people who would join one year at a time, pay a year in advance. Uh, but it's up to you how you want to do it. All contributions are welcome. Right now, there's not a lot in the private members area. Again, this is not a forum. It is going to have a Additional content available to members that's not available to non-members. I'm not taking anything away. I'm not going to do any less podcasting than I do right now. You can still access the blog. You can still access the forum if you're not a premium member. Completely voluntary. Again, I don't want any more hate mail. Uh, and I've gotten some emails that are just like, wow, man, did you even listen to me? Uh, but it's for supporting the show. Since it's beta and there's not a lot there right now, the only thing that will let you in the door is if you send me an email and say, Jack, I want a link so I can sign up for the beta members program. Um, what you will get right now, and there's still about 30 positions left open, is a position on what's called the foundational wall, which is simply just a page with people listed, you know, uh, five across, ten down, in a brick wall looking little graphic I created, and you get your name and a link to any website you want to sponsor on your brick. And those are the first 100 people in the program that are helping me build and, and share the show. And again, I want to point out why I'm doing this. My goal, now that I see how much support is out there for this show, the difference I'm making in people's lives, the emails that I'm getting that are saying that I'm taking what you're telling me and I'm using it and it's changing my life for the better, is I want to make the show better. I want to make the show uh, more uh, useful. I want to have better documentation. I want to have better planning. Folks, a lot of times I walk out the door. I get in my car. I turn the recorder on and I think, okay, i got to talk about something. And I just roll. I want to be able to put more planning time. I want to put more video together for the members. I want to make this show something that I spend five to six hours a day on instead of 45 minutes and five minutes of editing time. And if you think about it, if you like the show, if you think the show's good, with that type of an effort, imagine what I can do if I can put more time and effort into it. 
and if I could actually do the show from an office instead of in a car, if I could free that time up as well to improve the audio quality, etc. So I do have that, that that program open again to people that are beta members right now, just kind of supporting the show. But there will be premium content coming and coming soon. And again, everybody that's joined, thank you. And if you can't join financially, whatever, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Thank you for listening to me. That's what's most important. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.